did my recital. Yeah. <laughs> so I never actually played Lagos. But um, that, and then uh, Nate Smith. John, you ready? Um, he's, <laughs> you, you, Nate Smith. No, you're, you're picking okay. my favorite drummer. Okay. Yeah, have you listened to his Pocket Change album? No. It's, it's only drums. Only drums. It's just like a drum set with only drums.
Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to worship as we end uh, with our sermon series, uh, The Lies That We Tell Ourselves." And tonight, our final lie uh, in this series is that we think that we must be spiritually strong or mature in our faith for God to use us or God to work through us, that we have to be the pillar of faithfulness or at least in the eyes of others, or God is not going to do anything through us, in us, or maybe even for us. And we will see that a little bit in the readings and try to get and in, dig into that, into the message. Um, we have, as we begin the year, we have many, many announcements. So let me start those. Tracy made sure to let, let me, uh, to make sure that I let you know that we are in dire need of somebody, at least one person, to help with Sunday school here, uh, on obviously on Sundays. Well, at least one person uh, to teach and help teach uh, here at CMC. So if you know somebody, you yourself would like to help us fill that, please uh, let her know or let me know. Give me, give me your name and we will try to get you set up. Uh, our fall schedule starts next week, September 10th, along with our chili cook-off, which right here, which I'm looking forward to, um, as we begin our education hours at both sites, and we go back to three services, and then the fall schedule just begins. So we go from sitting still to a sprint. Uh, our new devotion books are out there. Our Hall of Faith series, uh, I think it begins with Noah. I know that because I think I did the first set of devotions. They are out there uh, if you want the paper copies, which I always like to have one of those, the big print, uh, are sitting out there on the, what I call the butcher block. I don't know what the actual is, an island? Um, September 18th and October 25th, we don't have times for this yet, so watch your bulletins. We are going to have uh, a training, Stop the Bleed and Compression, like chest compression. Uh, Dr. Kerry Aarons is going to do that training for any one of our members who wants to take it. We took it as a staff, and it is you never know when you're going to need that. It's some invaluable stuff to have. So if you want to know more about that, be watching for your bulletins as we get a time. Uh, I think it's a Monday evening, but we haven't set the time for that. It's September 18th and October 25th. September 16th and 17th, we are going to have an El Aragonel drive. Our mission care point in Guatemala, uh, 50 new children are looking for sponsors, and we're going to have a drive September 16th and 17th. Um, we are in immediate need of a new facilities manager and volunteers to help starting this very next week. So if that's something you would be interested in, or could help out with, let me know, or call Pastor Aaron or Pastor Dan and let them know. That's kind of a vital thing that we, that we need fairly quickly. Uh, so with that, I want to ask Pastor Rudy, him and his wife Karen are moving to Texas and he would like to come up here and speak to you. Thank you very much. I didn't have a mic and I thought I would borrow one. Thank you. Yeah, this is likely our last Saturday evening visit with you. And just wanted to say thank you to all of you as the tremendous support over 18 winters and summers that we've been up here from Texas. And uh, we're heading back just to be closer to our daughters. So uh, wanted to say thank you for that. Uh, the best person that is most supportive, of course, is my wife, Karen, and she's back there. Some of you have met her, perhaps others haven't, but uh, 
She's the best at greeting people, greeting new people. She spots them and she says hello. And she always says, why don't everybody do that? And it really would be important for you to spot people you don't know and just introduce yourself and get acquainted. So uh, thank you, Karen, for doing that. And thank you all again for tremendous time that we've enjoyed being at Celebration. And uh, goodbye. Yes, thank you. Don't be a stranger, though. You come back and visit now, you hear? <laughs> All right, let's stand and worship our amazing God, God of wonders.
be seated. As we prepare our hearts for confession today, we're going to actually start it off with the song, Lord, I need you, as we do. Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know, you know when, when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. 
For a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Almighty God knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our every word, our every thought, and every weakness, and our every temptation. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him whom we must give account. Let us come together now in a time of confession and reflect on our sinful thoughts, words, and actions. the summer, we have gone through so many different lies and ways that we distort things in our own minds. 
making things true that aren't or making things untrue that are. And when it comes to forgiveness, we may think maybe we're not as bad as the next person and don't need to come before the cross. Or we think I've done something so horrible that God could never forgive me. Both things are wrong. And because we've come here and laid our burdens down at the foot of the cross, been repentant, our Lord has heard our confession and has forgiven each and every one of us in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Strong and mighty tower, your name 
And our first reading comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul writes, To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there has been a thorn, given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And we'll read these sections from Psalm 16 responsively. Keep me safe, O God, for in you I take refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. As for the saints who are in the land, they are the glorious ones in whom all my delight. Sorrows of hopes will increase who run after other men. I will not pour out their liberations of blood or take up their names on my lips. Yes. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. For praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. My heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will secure. Because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with your joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And I invite you as you're able to please rise as we read from the Gospel of John, the first chapter. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent the day with him. It was about the 10th hour. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard that John had said who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, 
which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, he is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you, were, while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You shall see greater things than that. He then added, I tell you the truth. You shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Please be seated. You have got to be spiritually strong and very mature in your faith if you expect God to work through you or in you. One of the lies that we tell ourselves, when you think of someone that God would use to do great things in the world, perhaps you get a mental image of who that might be. Maybe you think about the late Billy Graham, Reverend Billy Graham. Maybe that's someone you think had great spiritual strength and great mature faithfulness. Because God used him to reach so many people with his love of Jesus. Maybe you get right down and get biblical about it. And you think about Job, who is described in the Bible as blameless and upright. And think that if Job had the strength and the faith to stand firm, even though the worst things in life were coming at him right and left, Maybe you think that's the kind of faith I have to have. That's the kind of spiritual strength I have to have. If God's ever going to use me, work through me. When we tell ourselves these lies, I think we believe that God picks out faithfully and spiritually strong people to work through. And I think it often escapes us that their spiritual strength their faithfulness is actually comes from God. It's a gift. They didn't make themselves strong and faithful. But I think we also forget that God uses all kinds of people to carry out his will in the world. People at all different places in their faith life, in their spiritual maturity. Yes, even us sitting here today. So let me greet all of you with grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our risen and ascended Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. One of the great examples of God's choices to bring the good news to so many is Paul himself, as we we're reading his plea to have that thorn taken. A thorn of some kind of suffering 
many have tried to shudder a guess at what that is, whether it's an illness, a physical pain, a temptation. I don't know that anyone's truly come up with what that is, but he begs God three times to take that away from him. And we think about the things that Paul endured as the apostle, how strong and faithful he is to rejoice in his sufferings, being faithful in all kinds of anguish and persecution. But I want you to remember how much he used to hate Jesus Christ, hate his followers. That's when he was Saul, an unlikely choice for God to handpick and work through to bring God's good news to so many people. You remember when Saul is converted, God asks a man named Ananias to help him. And Ananias basically says to God, you know who this guy is, right? He hates and harms your disciples and seeks out to hurt all those who call on your name. And basically asking God, you sure this is the guy you want to choose? Spiritually strong? Saul was a hater of the son of God, but called by the gospel anyway. Little David, I call him little because when he's described in reference to the rest of his brothers, he's a little guy. Was chosen out of all Jesse's sons to be the anointed king, but most thought it would be Eliab, Jesse's tall and powerful, kingly looking son. But no, God chose the little shepherd boy to be the king that we all know, the line of Jesus. And we all know that King David, even in his reign, had his share of sinful spiritual weaknesses, but he was chosen by God. In 1939, a man joined the Nazi party at the brink of World War II. He even worked gathering intelligence for the Nazis, collecting information as he worked in Poland. He eventually acquired an enamelware factory in Krakow, Poland. Maybe you know the name of that town. And this factory, which at its peak employed 1,750 people, a thousand of whom were Jewish people. His connections within the Nazi party helped him protect his Jewish workers from deportation to concentration camps. And as we know, the reason I say you might know these names, Poland had the worst, not that any of them were good, but the worst known concentration camps that the Nazis built, like Auschwitz. By July 1944, Germany was losing the war. And the SS began moving all these Jewish people to Krakow and to Auschwitz to be executed in the ovens and with gas. And this man was allowed by Amon Goeth. Took me, when I looked this name up, it took me a while even looking at it phonetically to be able to pronounce it. He allowed this man to move his factory to Brennick, sparing all of his workers from death. 
he used all of his fortune in bribes and black market purchases to move a list of 1,200 Jewish people to his factory to prevent their execution. Now, the factories produced little material that worked or amounted to anything. But the man had started by getting Jewish investors to help him buy this enamelware factory, actually taking advantage of their unfortunate circumstances because they weren't allowed to own businesses anymore. So he's like, if you have the money, give it to me and I'll run the business. That was his motivation to start with. And after, as the war continued, the evil of mass murder turned this man's heart to want to save lives, no matter what the financial expense. He even helped reroute a train that took 300 Jewish women to Auschwitz to face certain death in the gas chambers. But he had them, through his bribing and manipulating and connections within the Nazi party, had them brought safely to his factory. I read a quote about this man. I wish I could remember who wrote it, but I don't. I apologize for that. And they referred to this man as a, quote, repentant opportunist who saw the light and rebelled and rebelled against the sadism and criminality, vile criminality, all around him. Now, the country of Israel now recognizes this Nazi as righteous among the nations. That's a pretty big thing for them to say. For his actions to help 1,200 people that were saved, that became known as the Schindler Juden, or the Schindler Jews. The generations that came from those 1,200 people because of what he did. And the man's name, of course, if you don't know it, is Oscar Schindler. Maybe you saw the movie. I didn't gather these facts from the film, but he was a greedy, opportunist, lapsed Catholic that was habitually unfaithful to his wife, a poor steward of money, a man used by God to do something truly amazing and astonishing. The Lord has reasons for working through who he does, for calling who he wills and works in and through broken and sinful people. In our gospel, we have Jesus calling his disciples. Many of them probably in our eyes, at least now in hindsight, we think they weren't spiritually strong enough to be disciples of the son of God. But remember when Jesus tells them all later, even Judas, you did not choose me, but I chose all of you. Now, it doesn't talk about Matthew or Levi in this section, but Matthew, he called a, a reviled, cheating tax collector for the Romans. Nathaniel, who doesn't think anything good could come out of the city of Nazareth. They are all God's perfect choice to accomplish his will. Saul hated and persecuted Christians, even enjoying, this is sick, enjoying the moment as Stephen is stoned to death. Jesus calls him out of that hatred, turns his soul and his spirit 
toward him. The least likely, the least deserving, the least spiritually strong to carry the gospel to all the places, Ephesus, Galatia, places where he was thrown in jail, begging to have the thorn taken from him. King David with deceit and murder that he committed in order to have Bathsheba. Look through the Bible. The Lord makes the weak spiritually strong. They don't come that way. And like them, Yes, he uses and calls us to serve and carry the truth to others as well. As spiritually or faithfully immature as you might think you are, God will work in and through you. I'm all the time amazed and wondering why he's calling me to do what I'm doing right now. But like Paul, we should thank him for our faith, for our daily blessings, all the things that we take for granted moment by moment. I'm not Billy Graham. I don't know if I could sit and rejoice in my sufferings like Paul, but here I am, called by the gospel. We are all called by the gospel. The good news of forgiveness and eternity with our God belongs to us. And remember the words to the song. I'm not going to name it, but you'll figure it out. We are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves us. And in his name, amen. And at this time, as we gather our offerings, we just want to remind you how grateful and thankful we are for your givings.
Heavenly Father, we have contemplated over the summer the different lies that we tell ourselves. We think sometimes that we need to be spiritually mature or a pillar of faith in order for you to work through us, Lord, but we need to know that we are broken, sinful human beings and that we live by your mercy and your forgiveness. And in that, you work through us. Our weak, our, your strength is made perfect in our weakness. So help us in our weakness to share the good news of forgiveness with others. Help us to be with those who are suffering as we ask your healing hand upon those who are ill, facing surgery or recovering from surgery, especially in our prayers. We remember Mike Clee, Elton Jondry, and Farrell Lewis, who's experiencing harsh heart issues. And we also ask you to be with his wife, Jerry. Lord, we ask you to be with those who have family members that have gone before us, to lift them up, to give them strength as they miss people they so dearly love, dry their tears, but comfort them with the knowledge of eternity and promises that you've made to us that are always kept. We ask you to be with the family of Laurie Bame, who was called to her heavenly home this past week, and with the family of David Krieger, especially his wife, Edith, who was called, also called to his heavenly home this past week. Lift them up and strengthen them as they live in your promise, but yet grieve in their loss here on earth. We give you thanks and praise for the gift of marriage. For 55 years of marriage for Tom and Jan Thompson and 58 years of marriage for Pat and Ken Shonicky. We ask you to give them many more years together, their love and their lives centered in you and their promises made to one another. We give you thanks, Lord, for those who dedicate their time and volunteer and serve. We're thankful for our praise band that gives their time and their talents to make a joyful noise. Lord, here as we worship you with joy and thanksgiving. And we are bold to pray this, Lord, as you have taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And after he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take and eat of it. 
This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And after he'd given thanks, he gave it to the disciples. And he said, take and drink. This is the new covenant of my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And may the blessings of God be with each and every one of you and take a moment to share God's peace with those around you.
then why don't we stand? Now may the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve you in body and soul to life everlasting. Depart in peace. We pray. Heavenly Father, you have given us a foretaste of the feast to come. The body and blood of your son has refreshed us as we live in his forgiveness, not by deeds, but by his mercy, which we seek each and every day. Walk with us through this life and into the next. In the name of your son, Jesus, amen. Now may the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you all with favor and give you peace. Amen.
said amen. Oh.